So um, there's a story that's told about a man who this guy's married. Um, so he, his wife has a problem with this guy. And the problem that the, the wife has is that this guy is always um, telling her that he's dead. So he doesn't believe that he's alive. Um, and no matter what the wife will say, this guy believes that he's dead, you know. So the wife tries a lot of different tricks to convince this guy that he's alive. And the guy is like, no, I'm dead. So finally, she goes to a doctor, um, goes to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist can't help. And then, and then the psychiatrist thinks of, a, of, a, um, of, a, of an idea, you know. So he asks this guy, do you believe that dead people bleed? And then this guy is like, no, dead people don't bleed. And then this psychiatrist, as soon as this guy admits to that, he takes a pin, he pricks this guy, and then this blood comes out of him. And he says, you see, you've got blood. That means you're alive. And what does this guy say? Right. So I guess dead people do bleed after all. <laughs> um, so, so, so the moral of that story is uh, we can't change people. Um, and we can't change their convictions. We can't change what they think, no matter how hard we try, um, no matter how much we, we tell ourselves that it's going to happen. Uh, I know some people will, will, will get into relationships with people that they know they shouldn't get into relationships with, but then they will say, I will change them. When I'm done with them, they will change. Um, but one thing that I, I've realized over my my life here on earth, is that there's only one, pe- one person who can change people, and that is God. Um, and so this morning, I'm not coming with human wisdom or trying to convince you of certain things, um, but I'm, I'm relying on the power of God, the only one who can change lives, who can change people. Um, and I want to speak about two like currencies of the kingdom of God. Um, one being faith and the other one being um, obedience. When you, look at, when you look at Hebrews 11, it talks about faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then it carries on and it, 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 it lists people that were renowned for their faith. And one of those people is Noah, who was told to build an ark because there would be a flood. And when he was told to build this ark and there would be a flood, it was okay. Everything was dry. So by faith, he started building that ark. And that to him was um, accounted as righteousness. And also Abraham was told to leave um, where where, where he was from and go to a a totally new place. And he didn't know how he was going to be provided for there, what what he was going to encounter, who he was going to encounter. But because of that, he left and he went. So you start to see something from these two stories. I can name the other ones. Um, you can look at the, at the scripture as well. Um, but what you find is that all these people who are, uh, uh, who are accredited for faith, um, they, they, had, they had obedience with them. So it's their obedience um, in faith. So they, they, they heard the word of God, and then they obeyed it in faith, and then they carried on um, to live that out. So you see always that faith and obedience work together, hand in hand. And so that's my prayer this morning, that we may, we, may, we may grab these two, and that we may have this faith to hold on to the word of God, 
and that obedience will be the natural outworking of that. Because when we believe something, then we think that way. We do, we, we act, we speak that. And that's how our life goes. It was interesting when I was listening to, to Neno speaking. Um, and he was talking about this guy who, who really had said, you know what, God is, uh, I'm, I'm beyond God's help. I'm beyond whatever you, you're trying to sell me or you're trying to tell me. Um, and scripture says it this way. It says, godly sorrow leads to, uh, sorry, um, worldly sorrow leads to condemnation. But godly sorrow, godly sorrow leads to repentance. So what happens when you really get, when the word of God really works in your heart is that you don't feel like I'm past my sell, sell by date. You don't feel like I'm past restoration. You don't feel like there's nothing that anyone or anything can do to rescue me. You feel like, you know what, there's certain things that are hindering me from being who I'm supposed to be. And so you get rid of those things. And that's what repentance is. It means a change of the mind. It means you, it means you change your paradigm. You change the way you see things. It changes the way you do things. And that's really what I'm praying for this morning, that the grace of God may work in our hearts and it may, it may abound. And that we may not find ourselves feeling condemned, but we may find ourselves seeing the righteousness and goodness of God to come and take these things away from our lives that steal from our purpose and steal from who we're supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so this morning, my, my, my sermon is titled, um, Temple God. Temple God. Um, and the scripture that we're reading from is taken from John 2, verse 13 to 22. It'll come up. Um, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in, in the temple those who had sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured out the money changers. Sorry poured out the changer's money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who, who sold doves, these, take these things away. Do not make my, my, my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for, for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them, and what he had said to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. This is a, 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 we we love this, um, this, this part of scripture, because for us, when we were on campus, um, we, we, we came, we, we got saved there on campus, but we still had this idea of Jesus as that guy carrying the lamb and stroking it, you know? And when we got to campus, this, this verse really excited us because we realized that this guy doesn't just stroke things. This guy's just not just compassionate, but this guy is masculine. This guy is, he, he has a righteous anger. This guy is, 
You, you know, and, and for guys, when we came into Christianity, we always had the idea that, oh, okay, tone down all my masculinity. I must not be wild in any way, but I need to just be prim and proper and, and guarded. You know, so this scripture really, um, it, it set us free. And we realize that, you know what, we can still horseplay, we can still play, as long as we are still in line with scripture, as long as we're still doing the will of God, we're still fine. And he made us this way anyway, so why is he going to now, like, turn all our buttons inside out? <laughs> you know, so um, the scripture is very interesting in that Jesus, the prophet, um, the one that all the people are going to, he comes to a temple, like a church, you know, and he's whipping people. And, and the history of, of this is, is that um, during this time of Passover, there used to be a lot of people who came from a lot of um, neighboring countries. Um, to, and they came to, to, the, to the temple to, to actually sit in for those services. Um, and they would come with different um, currencies. So that's what the money changers did. Literally, they changed money. You know, it was a... Because the, when they paid their tithes, they, need to, they needed to pay it in the Jewish um, currency, you know. So they changed the money, and there was also offerings that needed to be made during those, during those days, you know. So they offered um, doves, there were, there were sheep, there were ox, you know, there was a lot of different animals. Um, so now you can start to imagine what this temple is starting to look like now. So there's all these wild animals that I hear, bam, bam, you know, um, and, and, and then there's also these people that are changing money. Business is booming here. Um, but that was the norm because, I mean, you can think about it. It's needed. It's a, it's a convenience, you know, because these guys, um, they are traveling from um, far places. They're not going to be carrying um, their livestock with them, you know. So it's very convenient. I'm going to the temple. I'm going to use these anyway. Let me just get them at the temple and use them. You know, makes sense. And also, I need this Jewish currency. I don't need to do it at the border and then come in. You know, like, let me just do it at the temple. Makes sense. But then Jesus comes in, and he's not happy. He's not at all pleased with this, and then he comes and he whips these guys. Um, and it's, it's very interesting that when they asked him, what sign shall you show us? But at the end, they only realized, his disciples realized when he had actually died and, and risen, that what he meant was he's, he's not protecting just this temple. But what he's really talking about is that he's protecting the body. That he's protecting us. He's protecting people. That that's what needs protection. And he was so ferocious and so, and, and so adamant and deliberate in how he protected it. And it got me thinking, how much do I protect my own body, my own holiness, my own sanctity. Um, because we are called by God, and we are called into his, into his family, and God is holy. And where he is, holiness abides. And where he is, purity abides. So now there's a problem, and there's sometimes a dichotomy when you find yourself that you know what, there's, there's, there's the stuff that I'm doing, but then I'm also supposed to be this holy person. And, and sometimes it becomes a bit hard to navigate that. And I'm hoping that today we'll be able to not only navigate that, but within to, between today and in the next two weeks, we'll find our purpose 
and we'll also walk in it. So we're going to be talking about purity today and holiness, and we're also going to be talking about um, purpose, but I'll speak more about the purpose and vision next week. Um, yeah. Amen. Can we just pray? Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that your, your, your word, Father God, is so powerful. And Lord, we, we trust in your word this morning. We trust, Father God, that you will speak into our hearts and great and mighty things will happen. Lord, we do not limit you right now, Father God. We pray, Lord, that wherever we are limiting you right now in the name of Jesus, we break that, Father God. Lord, we pray that your full might and your full power may be upon us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, so as a Christian living in this world, you, you encounter a lot of things. Um, okay, let's, let's first start when you first decide, okay, I'm going to commit my life to God. When you commit your life to God, there's certain things that are in your life that you're doing. And then you start to come to church, hopefully, and then you start to read the Bible, you know, and then it starts telling you other things, you know. Um, so you might have been used to watching any movie, any movie that you want, and whatever scene that is playing, you're used to watching that movie. So whatever scene is playing, you watch it, and then it happens. And then the Bible comes and it says, um, even if you look at someone um, with lust, then you've committed um, sexual immorality. So you committed adultery, you committed sin. And then now it starts to change. Like, oh, but I used to watch these people and I used to see these things. And then you find yourself wrestling within yourself like, oh, okay. Um, but then, you, and then again you look, but everyone is, is watching this. This is, this is played for everyone, so it's okay. You know, and then, but it, it carries on in, in little things and in big things. You know, it can carry on in little things like how you were speaking before. You know, when you start, maybe you were swearing, you throw in a little sh there and a f there. <laughs> and then now, um, the Bible comes and it says, let your, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Let it be wholesome to the hearers. Let it bring faith, let it, let, let it restore and let it encourage people. And then now you start to think, oh, now this needs to change as well. So that, that, that's, that's pretty much how, how, the, how, the, how this, the scripture works and how Christianity works, is we find ourselves always caught between the way things are done here and the way things need to be done in the Bible. And I know for a lot of people, they, the, the tension becomes too much. And, and so they decide that, you know what, maybe... I have, to, I have to come to a decision. That's what it always comes down to, that you have to come down to a decision. Either you're going to say, this Christian thing doesn't work, so I can't do it, all this purity and all this, whatever they're saying, I can't do that, so no one can do it. And then you also talk about how some pastors in church also do um, these things, you know. Um, and, 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 and look, it's a, it's a, it's a real um, valid point. Because those are the people who stand before people and tell them, this is the way you should go. And for you, this might be your only reference point. And when you're coming and you're looking at the same person and you're finding out that they're not doing that. 
then it becomes really, uh, it, it, it becomes really, uh, it doesn't seem far-fetched that this thing doesn't work. When you see other people failing at it, when you yourself find it difficult, when you yourself find that, you know what, this thing, I know it's hard. <laughs> but then usually what we don't account for is that there's the spiritual that is at play as well. So that there are spiritual things that are happening within the atmosphere. Um, and they affect what happens in the physical. So a lot of times we can find ourselves struggling and, and fighting in our own flesh and thinking, you know what, I'm going to break this and I'm going to make this. But the reality is that there's only one who can change those things, who can change those convictions. There's only one who can bring you to that place. And I spoke about grace earlier. Grace is an enabling power. Grace is, is, what, is what takes us from where we are weak and puts us from, to where we are strong. And I've, I've, and I've often found that when there's, there's no vision or there's no purpose or you're not really know or you're not really sure where you're going, that's when it's so easy for you to find yourself dabbling in sin or dabbling in things that don't really matter. Because I find that when there's a purpose, you know exactly where you need to go. You know exactly what you can do and you know exactly what you can't do. I'll make, I'll make an example. I, 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 I put up my hand. I said, okay, Jesus, you are calling me. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to go out. I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to do this thing. So I committed to that. And as a result of me committing to that, it means there's certain things that need to change. There's a vision. I know where he's calling me. I know that he's, he wants me to speak to thousands of people. I know he wants me to pre- preach his word to them. I know he wants them to change, and I know he wants them to come to his kingdom. But that also means there's a responsibility for me. The responsibility for that it means that if I want to remain prayerful, if I want to remain, um, if, if, I, if I want to remain with power in the kingdom, if I want, you know, there's, so there's a lot of things that I need to, to be able to, to, to manage within myself in order to reach where God is taking me. So there's a lot of, by, by, by default, there's a lot of things that I'm disqualified from or that I can't do. And it really becomes that way that when we know who we are, and we know where we're going. Even taking a job, something as simple as taking a job it can be so hard. But if you know where you're going, that's the reason, that's the, that's the, that's the difference between staying in a job that you're not happy in because you know that's where God is taking you and that's what he needs you to be in right now. Or saying, you know what, I don't like it, I'll quit. What's next? Oh, how much are you paying me? No, I quit. You know, Sometimes you can just chase money and you can chase other things. But if you're chasing the purpose that God has put on you, everything that you do aligns with that. And everything that hinders that is uncomfortable. You don't like it. But if you, but, but if you find yourself and you don't know where God is taking you or what he wants to do to you, and you're thinking, you know what, I just gave my life, but I don't know what to do now. 
you know, if you remain in that place, I find that that's when it, you, 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 you find yourself being okay with mediocrity, being okay with just taking it as it comes. Because God calls us to great and mighty things here on this earth. He says we must be fruitful and must be multiplied and have dominion over this earth. Genesis 1.8. But if we understand that we, we, we called to something greater, then there's certain things that we'll find uncomfortable. Because when God calls you to something, He does it with you. And when God is doing something with you, His presence is with you. And His presence doesn't, doesn't, doesn't dwell with sin. It doesn't dwell with other things that are not of Him. So there's something greater that God is calling us to. But then I said the spiritual um, elements that are in play as well. There's someone who's called the accuser of the brethren. The evil one. Satan. <laughs> and, and he knows what God has called you to. He knew what Jesus was called to. And then in Mbambe Konin, you know there by the corner when he was going to the shop, he waited for him there. <laughs> and then he said, Yewena, I know you're hungry. You've been starving yourself all this time. Don't you want some food? <laughs> and then Jesus was like, ah, no. Uh, because he knew his purpose. Because he knew that at that point he was supposed to be hungry. He was able to stand. And say, so, you know what? Jesus, I'm not doing this. And then he tried again and he said, you know what? All of these cities, everything, it'll be yours. If only you'll bow down to me. But because he knew his purpose, I'm okay. No can do. And that's what he does. He comes and he dangles things. And, 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 and most of the times you must, you must watch how the devil um, uh, tempts you. Because he usually tempts you with something that's yours already. He told Jesus, all of this is yours. All of this was his anyway. But not, not, not yet. Not like that. Remember that. Not yet and not like that. <laughs> That's very important for us to hold to as we're living out our lives, as we're navigating our lives. Not yet and not like that. Because he actually got much more than the devil was, was giving to him. He now has authority over heaven and earth. The devil was just giving me, I take this earth. So God does even more. But what he tries to do is he tries to get you into these things quickly. And he tries to, 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 to you know, take shortcuts and, and do things in ways that you're not supposed to do them. And he knows that that can disqualify you from where God is calling you. So God calls us to this purity and this holiness. And it's something that we need to guard. It's something that we need to hold dear. And when we know and we're holding this purpose and we're holding this purity, 
hand in hand, that's when I find that sin doesn't make us comfortable. When impurity doesn't make us comfortable. When unholiness doesn't make us comfortable. Because we know that there's somewhere that we're going and this thing is shackling me. This thing is holding me back. My wife has been asking me to buy her resistance band. And for all those who don't know what that is like, I didn't know when she spoke about it. There's, there's this little, I think it's an elastic thing. Uh, but when you're working out, um, it's usually for cardio and stuff like that. But when you're working out, it holds your, 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 your legs together. So that it becomes hard for you to do whatever exercise you're supposed to be doing. So it increases um, the, the, the amount of strength that you need to exert. <laughs> guys, 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 that's not the point. <laughs> the, the, the point is not if we're going to buy this resistance band or not. <laughs> The, the, the point about the resistance band is that we need to get spiritual resistance bands that, that make it hard for us to, you know, there where you're not supposed to be because you're going that way and that's your portion and that's your purpose. But then sometimes it's just like, but the resistance will be like, hey. <laughs> We need to get ourselves some resistance bands. Um, and there's a scripture in... Okay, I'm doing well for time. There's a scripture in Matthew 12, verse 43 to 45. And this is a scripture where Jesus is talking, and he says, um, When an unclean spirit leaves a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, but he finds none. And then he says to himself, I'll go back to the house from which I came. And when he gets there, he finds it, what? Empty. Swept and put in order. And then what does he do? He goes and he gets seven other demons, more wicked than him. So that the state of the man is worse at the end than it was at the beginning. some spiritual elements in this. And this scripture was actually talking about the fact that um, we, when we give our lives to Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit as well. And we have that power which raised Jesus Christ from the dead and it resides in us, it lives in us. So that's what God has called us to, and that's what God gives us to be able to accomplish what he has called us to, our purpose, our, our, our destiny. But then sometimes when we find ourselves without this Jesus and without this Holy Spirit, we find ourselves empty. So there's a, there's a lot of spirits. And we partner with them, whether we know or not. And I'm not saying this to to scare you, and I don't want anyone now to have an unhealthy fear and partner with fear about these things. We are conquerors over these things. That's that's why I'm explaining to you the, the, the context of the scripture, so that we can all understand where we stand with this. 
So the, the scripture talks about that um, we find ourselves empty. And if we are empty, then that means there's a spirit that can come and dwell in us. And then sometimes you find that, okay, we give our lives to Christ. Oh, God, yes, I'm, I'm for you. Or, or we try to do something or we, we go to a, a revival or whatever. And the spirit is cast out of us. But then we haven't really given our lives to Christ. We, never, we haven't really been baptized in the Spirit. We don't really walk with God. And what happens is the Spirit will go, it will find itself, hey, 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 let me go back. And when it comes back, it won't just come back with it because it was defeated. It needs reinforcements. It now needs to come and, 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 and make sure that you're not getting us out again. So the reason why I, I speak about the scripture is to, is to make it very clear that we are fighting a spiritual battle and highlight our need for God and highlight our need for the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. I think I, I just need to say this. Um, when you have received Christ and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot be possessed by a demon. It can only oppress you. And what that means is it doesn't come inside of you, but it comes around you and it frustrates you. Um, and it, 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 it whispers things to you that are not true. It tells you to do things that you're not supposed to do. That's what it does. But it doesn't have power and authority over your body. It can't be housed by you. And so it's so important for us to draw near to God. And find our purpose in him. Because the, the, the scripture says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and life in abundance. So if we're partnering with evil and we're partnering with what the devil wants us to do, no matter how good it looks like at the beginning, its end is death, its destruction. But then if we partner with God and what he wants for us, our end is eternity with him in all holiness and goodness. I'd like to offer three things that can help us. I spoke about this dichotomy, this um, thing that we find ourselves in where we like, oh, where do I go? Where do I go? This thing is pulling for me and this thing is pulling for me. Three things. That we need to do. We need to be filled. We need to be filled with the word and faith. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be filled with purpose. I've already spoken about the purpose. And sometimes when we find ourselves filled with the Spirit, we're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And then God says this. Then you're like, huh? Uh, me, <laughs> this one. No, 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 no. That's not me. Um, what, what, what I will do is let, let's reason here, Jesus. What I will do is I will sit in church. You know, I'll come. I'll come to church, um, and 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 I'll I'll do good. I'll do good as much as I can. Um, but I can't. No, not that. That's that's too big for me. Um, it, that's hard for me. 
we, we, we're not just Christians here on earth. This Winning in Babylon series was talking about the fact that God has taken us from the kingdom of heaven and put us here on earth. And there's a reason why we're here. We are here to declare the kingdom. What that means is we're here to declare good. We're here to declare love. We're here to declare holiness. We're here to declare purity. We're here to declare the very essence of who God is on this earth. Now, we all have a little role to play in that in one way or another. Whether it's going into corporate and fighting corruption. Whether it's going into the health sector and really bringing God and his standards in that place. And also saving lives. Because I've always realized that God will take you and whatever your purpose is, it's always something that you like. And it's always something that you're passionate about or you enjoy. So he will take that and he will do much greater things with that thing that you enjoy. But remember I said we're partnering with him. So we don't do this by ourselves. Because sometimes we find ourselves in that place where we're like, okay, fine. So this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay, where do I start? And then we forget about him. If we do that, then those things will be too big for us and those things might harm us. But if we have him with us and we ask him and we hear from him and we move according to what he's saying, then we find ourselves deep with him. So the first thing, be filled with purpose. The second thing, be filled with faith. Filled with faith in the word. Romans 10 verse 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God the other problem that we might find ourselves with is that we we, we need to obey certain things but we don't have faith because we, we don't know what, what God is actually wanting from us and how do we know we, we start in the Bible the Bible tells us it's just the general thing that God wants all of us to do you know, and then you carry on in your relationship with him. And then now he starts to tell you specific things that he wants you to do. So that's when you pray. When you pray, it's not one-way traffic where you are just saying, yeah, I want this and want this. He's saying, yeah, now this is our strategy and this is where we need to go. And so you need to, you, you need to close that, that account and you need to now do this. So he, he actually speaks to you. And whatever he calls you to do, you partner with him. So we need to know what the word says for all of us. And we need to be filled with the spirit. That's the, that's the third point. <laughs> we need to be filled with the spirit. Ephesians, Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, and do not, be, um, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called our counselor, is called our helper. And what a counselor does is it gives you good advice. So as you're navigating these things in life, as you're doing these things in life, as you're being tangled in sin and tangled in, in what the devil is trying to lure you into, the Holy Spirit is there. And he's giving you good advice. He's saying, okay, this is, you, you, you need to not step that way, but you need to step to the right. He gives you practical advice. As you're walking this life, God is there and he talks to you. 
And he's also there to help us. When we find ourselves in times of trouble, God is there to help us. John 12, verse 25 to 26 says, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Wayne was talking about that lady that we we encountered last week. It was a very interesting and powerful encounter that we had. Um, but we, we spoke to her, and then when we asked her if she wants to give her life to Christ, she, she hesitated for a good while. And then I asked her, naturally, like, so what, what, are, the, what are the hindrances? Because I know them. I, I, I go out and I evangelize a lot, so I kind of know what people are going to throw at me. You know, but she said, this is not how I imagined it. <laughs> so that told me she had been thinking about it. She had been wanting to do it. But that's not how she had imagined it. And these were her very words. She said, I didn't think it was going to be out in a street corner like this. I thought it was going to be in a church. And I thought someone was going to give the outer call and I was going to come up. And I was going to give my life to Christ. <laughs> and this is how I responded. I said, now imagine, right now as I'm speaking to you, there are people who are in church. And you are not there. So if all of us stayed in church and we didn't come out here, how then were you going to encounter this that you've encountered today? And she did something very practical because now she was realizing what was happening. She was realizing that there's a greater purpose and the greater power that is at work. When she, when she left that alcohol, she said, I, I don't need this anymore. And that's what purpose does. That's what God does when he comes into our lives. He shows us that you know what, what you've been doing, what you've been living for, what you've been dabbling in, it's so not worth it. I've got so much more for you. And when you realize that, it's become so much easier for you to drop it. So much easier for you to walk away from it. Can we just stand to our feet? When I, when I started off, I said that worldly sorrow leads to condemnation, but godly sorrow leads to repentance. I also said that there's only one person who can change us, and that is God, and that is who I'm calling on today. And now we find ourselves in different and varying places of purity and holiness. Some of us find that we think we, we're beyond help. 
And I'm here today to say that the same power that raised from the dead is available for you. It's interesting that the scripture that I was reading from was done at the time of the Passover. The Passover was a time when God protected his people with his blood. The blood was on their doors. And death flew over their doors because his blood was on their walls. And this same guy who was fighting vehemently for the temple was fighting for each and every one of us. It's not just our fight. It's not just something we need to try and change. It's not just something that we need to try and overcome. This is something that he fought for, even to the point of death, so that you and I can flourish, so that you and I can do whatever he's called us to do here on earth. So my prayer this morning is that those things can start to make us uncomfortable. That we cannot coexist with the giants. That we can slay the giants. The things that come to steal the purpose of God from our lives, that steal our holiness, that steal our purity. My prayer is that those things may make us uncomfortable and that we may fight. That we may start whipping those things that seem so normal and that everyone is doing. That we may start to whip them and fight and stand up against them in the name of Jesus.